0: Vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com for more. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 in the iHeartRadio app. Julia Tichari and Mike DiStefano will be joined, oh, joined right now by our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. Dreggs, how's it going this Tuesday?
1: Uh, I'm doing okay. How about you guys?
0: Oh, we're good. Doing good. Coming off a solid Leafs win over the Islanders last night. We're just looking over practice lines and how things are shaking out there looks like they did some extra work with the goalies before practice and it seems like sheldon keith will opt to stick with the lines that he put together last night in reuniting matthews and marner and reuniting the jt william nylander duo that was absolutely electric yeah. last night are you I, know, I was gonna say are you surprised but that seems kind of like a lame question was this the right moment to you to go back to those uh combinations
1: well, yes, because it worked. Yeah, right? like, and, right?
0: And, <laughs> Everybody looks like uh, a genius when things work. It's the best thing exactly. ever.
1: Exactly. And, like, you know, you're talking about elite-level players here, so we shouldn't be overly surprised that it worked. You know, there's considerable chemistry between Nylander and John Tavares, no different than Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. On this night, though, against the Islanders, it was Neilander who put on a show, and John Tavares was very good, and that that second line was, formidable uh that second period was incredible with the undoing of the new york islanders so you know again i i think we get caught up in what we perceive as a fan base to be knee-jerk decisions they're not they're in-game adjustments and when they work then why wouldn't you extend that look a little bit longer and and see if you can kind of rekindle that chemistry that is obvious in Nielander and Tavares and you know is there in Marner and Matthews so it's interesting but i don't think it's a huge deal
2: how much credit do you think keith deserves for just knowing exactly when to spark his club like we've we've seen you know at times throughout his career he's Gone with things and he stuck to them, right? Think back to maybe the Columbus series where it was a little bit too much um, stagnation. And then he's also gone times where he's made a little bit uh, too quick to pull the trigger on some line combinations. It seems like he's learned from those mistakes. And this year, it seems like whenever he does press that button and he makes that change, good things tend to happen. And he's kind of figuring out when uh, is the right time to do things.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's the coach in the game that doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're a Stanley Cup winning coach, been around for 20 plus years or you're relatively new. I mean, that's just part of pro sport in general. I'm not so sure that I would look back on some of the adjustments that Sheldon has made during his time as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs and put them all in the category of mistakes. And I know you're not doing that, Mike. It's just... There has to be a little trial and error, especially yep. when you're dealing with a relatively young group coming into this season. But again, we've revisited this. Uh, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization from top to bottom went into this year with an all bets are off sort of mentality, and that includes Sheldon Keith. You know, he has to coach his ass off, and, and he's done that to this point, I would submit. You know, I mean, he's been snarly when he's had to be snarly. Uh, now, from a refereeing perspective, maybe there's a little too much of that. There we go. Sorry. Maybe oh, my gosh. Bit, don't
0: worry. We've all been there.
1: Yeah. Maybe there's too much of that. And uh, that's something that, you know, he's going to work on. But as as you go deeper into the second half, you know, the, the games intensify. Um, but I think that be it either by direction um, from Sheldon himself, the coaching staff, let's put them all in together, or just as an organization, I think you went into this year thinking we need to create playoff environment as much as we can throughout the 82-game regular season. Sounds ridiculous to think that that's even doable because there are games where you just you, you kind of don't have it. And, you know, there was one recently against the Montreal Canadiens where they, they lose that one and they shouldn't lose to the Montreal Canadiens given the, the state of each organization. But I think Sheldon this year has done a real nice job of keeping that leash tight, but also recognizing in game that, okay, Willie has a spark. You know, why not? Let's, JT's got something going. Let's put them together here and see if if it can manifest. And, and it did. It did versus the Islanders. Uh, But I think that that's as much a maturity of of the core of the players, Matthews, Miner, Nylander. I guess we throw Tavares in there, but you know, he's, he's, he's got more experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in the NHL game but I, I think that this is just the group growing as a group and that includes Sheldon Keith as head coach
0: That's Darren Dreger, our TSN Hockey insider. Leafs practice underway right now and TJ Brody is partaking in his first practice uh, since he went down with that injury earlier. Yeah. He's still wearing a non-contact jersey. Do you think there's any chance we see him in this next stretch before the All-Star game or, or does it make sense uh, from what you're hearing to just shut him down till after?
1: Yeah, I haven't heard that, Julia, to be fair. Um, and I, I really haven't checked in on them. I, I, I think they're doing right here by being as patient as they need to be. No different than some of the other things that you know Leafs players have experienced. I'm sure Morgan Riley felt like he could come back sooner than he did. Um, and, you know, look, there were some recovery pains that Morgan had to go through. It looks to me like his game is rounding out again. So why not err on the side of caution? They don't have any injuries on that back end that are substantial beyond TJ right now. So give him as much time, maybe more time than he'd prefer to make sure that he is, is healed up. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's back onto the ice, even though he's in a, a non-contact jersey, tells you that clearly he's making strides and he's a step closer to returning to, uh, to the regular season lineup. But again, I think they're going to err on the side of the caution. So without knowing... I'd be a bit surprised if he came back, or if he did, maybe he comes back for one game. I just don't think it's worth it at that point.
2: Uh, in conversation with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider, uh, the least made a goalie change. Talking about Sheldon Keith making some in-game adjustments the other night in Florida, yeah. made that goalie change to go to Samsonov, and he's taken that opportunity, he's run with it. Uh, we haven't seen Matt Murray since. I assume we'll see him at some point here soon, though. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's claiming the number one net right now, and he's solidifying himself and maybe not as the number one, but maybe the one A. Do you see yeah. a scenario where if he does grab that number one job, though, and he looks like okay, you know, he he could be rounding out into that first round pick that he once was, all all that potential that people saw in him years ago, um, that they would make it a priority to sign him this summer as an RFA?
1: Well, I think so. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you? You know, goaltending is is such a significant need. For every club that doesn't have an elite level goaltender in the National Hockey League, so when you've got two guys that you know, let's see how they do the rest of the way here, and then the playoffs, of course, always matters. Um, But if you've got a a two goalie system that works, why wouldn't you try and extend that and advance it? Now, Samsonov is a restricted free agent, so you know it gets a little bit more complicated. That favors the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe they don't feel like they've got to be in any rush. You know, one point eight million. Um, if we're willing to call this a reset year for him as a 25-year-old, which maybe doesn't necessarily apply, then he's making the most of his opportunity. And I can't imagine the Leafs wouldn't want to extend that. There's just, as I said, I I, I don't think that there's any rush. And as far as as Samsonov ascending to the bona fide number one, you know, the the clear and and out-front leader, I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet. I I think that Matt Murray handled his pull uh, well, right? I see that he's on the ice with the goalie coach Curtis Sanford. Um, they're trying to work on his game because as I was I was reminded the other day, you know, it's hard positionally in practice or or sorry to make adjustments and technical tweaks to your game. When you're in the game, right? You need practice to do that. And teams don't have that luxury because of how the, the schedule works, right? For travel and all of those things. So it looks like Toronto was taking advantage and trying to, you know, polish some of the game of, of Matt Murray. He's not just conceding the net to Ilya Samsonov. He's not. I mean, he has played pretty well to this point. Um, I'm sure that the coaches like the competition between those guys because it's a healthy one. And until there's reason to identify a true number one, why wouldn't you just keep flanning the flames of that competitiveness? Because having the luxury to go back and forth when both guys are clicking uh, not too many teams in the NHL have that luxury, so uh, Toronto would want to take advantage of it if they can.
0: Yeah, A.B. pointed out this morning, too, that uh, Murray doesn't practice when he plays, so that gives him an extra time to dial in on the skills. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out, because Murray, of course, under contract next year, Joseph Wall is tearing it up in the minors oh, yeah. right now, so there's lots of, lots of decisions to be made uh, when it comes good to, to next have. year. Good, good problems, problems to have, good to have problems to net. Uh, bad problems, though. Just just before moving on from last night's game, fire lu tweets happening out on the <laughs> island. Like I, I know it'd be hard to hear about it if he was on the hot seat, dregs. But but what are you hearing yeah, out of uh, New York and and how their season is unfolding?
1: Yeah, well, they're just they're, they're not playing well of late, and you know we saw that, and we heard from the coach post game talking about how they just can't string the full game together. They thought that they played pretty well in the first period against the Leafs, and then the second period was a disaster. You know, Toronto found a way to get behind them. Well, that's the speed of the Maple Leafs. Like, Toronto's a really good team here. So if you're not ready... Uh, where you're not as crisp as you need to be, especially when Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Tavares are, you're going to have a problem, and that was the case last night. Uh, I think I read they're like one six and three in their last ten. Yeah. You know, so this isn't just a bit of a skid. This is a flat out funk for the the New York Islanders. I'm not really sure what direction they're going to go. I look at their goaltending. I mean, you've got two goalies there that have the same percentage higher than 900. So it's not a goaltending issue there. Um, defensively, okay, yeah, there's are some areas of concern there. And quite frankly, up front, they're just not delivering the way that they need to. You know, Matt Barzell is as cold as ice right now. So, I mean, that's, that's what you do when you're picking apart a team that has one win in, in 10 games played. As to the Lou speculation and all of that, I guess anything is possible but anytime there's that level of speculation around a general manager i question it in season because in the season even though the trade deadline march 3rd is looming there's not a whole heck of a lot that the general manager can do right you don't think pierre dorian if he could snap his fingers would have two months ago and landed the defenseman that may have helped change you know the direction of the ottawa senators who are. Basically, look like a non-playoff team for another year. Likewise, Kenny Holland, the Edmonton Oilers, have been looking for a defenseman. Go down the list of all the teams that have needs and have wants, and because of the salary cap and because of teams operating in long-term injury, you know, you just—it's not that easy. You can't make it happen. So, I'd be surprised, given the level of experience, respect that Lou Amorelo has earned to this point in his career, that you know, the Islanders ownership would do something that extreme in season, but anything is possible when you're losing.
2: Drax who's the flavor of the week right now that you're hearing that might be linked to uh, Toronto ahead of the trade deadline?
1: it's nah, a good question. I, I don't think that there's anyone linked, per se, to Toronto. Um, you know, I talked about this yesterday morning on on First Up. I mean, this market is always hungry. All Canadian markets are for that big trade you know who's the big ad we've looked at the wing for the toronto maple leafs and feel like if there's a top six guy available that'd be awesome they could move yarn croak down in the bottom six and man would they be flush up front well what if that player that top six forward winger isn't available you know do you just say okay well we're not going to bother doing anything i don't know i mean it it depends on who's available so i I'm always more interested, of course I'm interested in the bigger deals because they're fun to speculate on, they're awesome to break, and you know, it just gets the juices flowing. That more often happens in the off season around oops there's tiny, Tiny, uh, what's up? Tiny the, the great yeah. Dane. Somebody's at the door. Um so you're gonna have to endure so the t- uh, woofing for a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, those sexy trades normally happen at the draft or during the offseason. What's wrong with a, a depth trade or two, right? Um, like the Connor Timmons trade has been helpful to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, maybe they look at somebody like Luke Chen. That was the name that I threw out there on, on first up. I like and that. that's that's not wild speculation. That's just me looking at a player that I think could help from a depth perspective. So if you want to look up front, if that big signing isn't there, then you start looking at some of the guys. Like I just mentioned Ottawa. You know, Tyler Mott is an expiring contract. Ottawa doesn't look like they're making the playoffs. So Pierre Doreen is likely going to move out as many of the unrestricted free agent contracts as he can. Well, Tyler Mott is a real good bottom six forward, an excellent penalty killer. So he gives you a little bit of pop there in your bottom six. Now, I think he's got an injured hand. So, you know, he's probably not coming back after the All-Star. So without linking those two teams together, that's that's the kind of stuff that uh, I start to look at as we close closer to trade deadline.
2: If I didn't know any better, I think you're uh, you're lurking on mine and Jonas's conversations that we had at the Leafs game the other day. Those were literally the two names that I said to yeah. Jonas as a, a depth add for the. It was Luke Shedd on the blue line and Tyler Mott yeah. up front. That's funny. Um, but in terms of like going after somebody. Big, that like is that out of the question? Do you think that the Maple Leafs are willing to move the assets necessary to get a Gavrikov or a Horvat, who's reportedly going to be uh, you know some expensive uh, pieces to get?
1: Okay, I'm going to test you, Mike, because I think I know you're going with this. Mm-hmm. And when you say willing to move the assets required. Is there something in particular? Are you you're thinking of about? a well, uh, Hobie Baker
0: nominee? There's a or potential
2: Hobie of? Baker nominee who plays <laughs> in the state of Florida <laughs> in the NCAA, <laughs> and potentially like their first round pick too. I mean, I think those two would be highly coveted assets that any team who's given up top six or top four players would be asking asking for. In yeah,
1: no, and, and and that's fair, and that's why I tease you a little bit, right? Ah. Um, uh, I know the organization has all kinds of time for Matthew Nice I do, from from top to bottom. And maybe he could be the ad too, right? I mean, once he's done, you know, assuming that he's not part of a, a trade scenario between now and then, you know, he can sign and dive into the lineup. Um, but if the perfect fit were were positioned to Kyle Dubas and Maple Leaf Pratt. You know, and, and who is that? I, I, I can't even think of the perfect fit, right? Because as we talked about earlier, you know, we can look at what Vancouver has available. We can look at Ryan O'Reilly. We can look at some of these other bigger-name guys. But those guys also come with a ticket, right? And yeah. so it does get a little bit more complicated. Um, so I'm loathe to say that, that nice or that pick would be untouchable. I mean, it's ridiculous because you you don't know what the, the scenario looks like. But I think for Toronto, for Cal Davis, for management to consider, you know, either that pick or a player like that, a prospect like that, it would have to be a heck of a trade that the Toronto Maple Leafs know is going to make them considerably better, not just for the here and now, but, you know, for the near future as well.
2: Do you expect them to be rather aggressive, just given how much this season in particular means for kind of what the future could be for this organization?
1: I would say within reason, um, but only because, you know, you're, you're looking at <laughs> this season and, you know, another opportunity, right? Um, yeah, of course it looks like they're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoff. Who's to say they can't win that series? But as a general manager, you you want to make sure that you have as many tools as you possibly can. I don't think for a second Kyle Dubas is managing in fear of his job. I really don't. And it's fool's play when you're looking at the summer and you're like, okay, well, now we can start talking to Austin Matthews and get him extended. And, you know, Willie's right there. And and then you got this. and You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you drive yourself crazy you know, trying to manage that way. I just don't think you can do it. Your your business that has to get looked after. And some of that is going to happen organically here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think there's any chance that Kyle Dubas is approaching uh, March 3rd and any point between now and then any differently than he would have last year um, or maybe even the year before. It's just, you do start to run out of runway as an organization, not as an individual, yeah. as an organization, right? Because look, I mean, we don't know that salary cap is going to climb dramatically in the next couple of years. That's the expectation, but there's no guarantee of that. So, you know, if you can strike while the iron is hot, as they say, then, then you do that. But Kyle won't be motivated because he's feeling any sort of pressure for his job.
0: Uh, with Darren Dreger right now, our TSN Hockey Insider, let's move to Vancouver right now, seeing as there's so much to chat about there. Rick Tockett will make his debut as the Canucks head coach tonight versus yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks. We haven't had you on to talk about uh, that situation specifically since it's all come to a head officially and they've officially made Rick Tockett their head coach so now the the waters are a little bit clearer and they actually have the coach that they want in place what do you think is rick Tockett's biggest strength when it comes to being the vancouver canucks bench boss and and how much of an impact do you think he's going to have on a player specifically like jt miller who's who's been in the spotlight a lot this year
1: yeah he has been um you know to answer your first question, I think Tockett's greatest strength is his communication and ability to connect with a player. And, and Bruce Boudreau is a very player-friendly coach, don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between Rick Tockett and Bruce Boudreau, right? When, when Rick Tockett is looking you squarely in the eye and asking you for a third time to do something, you're probably going to want to do that. You know, and that's not intimidation. That's, I look at, at, at Tauket kind of the way I look at Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh. Um, it feels like he's a coach that you're just not going to want to disappoint. Um, so whether that applies to, to J.T. Miller or any other player from the Vancouver Canucks, I think that there's, there's going to be that spinoff. And I, I think that, that would apply to Adam Foote. Um, Adam Foote's a no-nonsense dude. I know him well. Uh, X's and O's. He knows the game inside and out. I think mean, he's a terrific hire tactically, and he was a hard-nosed player. He yeah. played the game, you know, with, no nonsense, with <laughs> no nonsense, and and like nobody competed harder or wanted to win more. And then you throw Sergey Gonchar into the mix, and he has a history in the relationship in Pittsburgh with Rick Tockett. So there's clearly again a deep-rooted connection there. I liked what I heard from Tockett in his media availability, talking specifically about the conversation that he had with JT Miller. But I'm going to credit JT Miller because JT Miller, who many believe is just this real harsh guy. He's a hard guy to get along with, you know, maybe a little too hard in his teammates behind the scenes. We saw that firsthand with Colin Delia, right? When, you know, he's trying to chase him out of the net for the extra attacker and he got a little overzealous and all of that. Well, again, to hear talk it, relay that conversation you know tj uh jt miller wants to 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 be better you know and we know that he can be a real impactful player for the vancouver Canucks because he's proven that he has been that so if he's willing to to work on some of the other elements that make him a leader then i think talk it's got a good one in jt miller but i mean look We're all pretty curious to see how this is going to play out. But I thought it was interesting here to wrap up um, what Bruce Boudreau said in a piece from NHL.com, which I read this morning, which is 100% factual. You look at the goaltending this year of the Vancouver Canucks, right? Last year, Thatcher Demko was lights out good. Mm -hmm. So beyond the Bruce Boudreau bump, it was Thatcher Demko stealing games in a lot of situations. He struggled early this year and then got hurt. Well, you take away quality goaltending and you take away the success rate of any coach in the National Hockey League and that's as big a part of the downfall of Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver this season than anything else.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the Islanders, to go back to them, very similar situation. I mean, their goaltending masks up a lot of it, and and I guess Sorokin hasn't played at a Vesna level the last 10 games, and the record would show for it. Uh, Really appreciate taking the time, as always, Drex. We'll chat again next week. Yeah, have a good one, guys. You as well. Darren Dreger, or TSN Hockey Insider. Um, Yeah, I heard uh, J.T. Miller speaking yesterday, actually, and it seemed as though he took – you have it. We have the audio here. Can, can we play this really yeah. quickly? Because I thought it was actually interesting that Dregs talked about how he wants to be better. So that's kind of what I heard from his comments uh, that I heard from yesterday. So, while we play these, J. T. Miller yesterday after the coaching change.
1: There's no disrespect to Bruce. You know, I had a great relationship with him, and uh, you know, it sucks to see him leave. But at the same time, we all are professionals here, and I think Bruce would understand that it's, it's uh, you know, it's it, as of today we need to move on.
2: Okay, so th- those are the different comments.
0: Okay, I heard, I heard before, him being nice. That was the yeah. Th-
2: <laughs> there's another comment out there where he talks. Maybe I can go. Yeah, and, and I
0: think at Bruce said, said that he got a beautiful, used the word beautiful, text from J T. Miller.
2: Yeah, he was talking about how he needs to be better communicating with his teammates that was so like
0: yeah he said something really nice yeah like, yeah was, we're moving on it's over saying
2: how I, sometimes i'm too harsh for my teammates i need to be better i need to learn from that so i wonder if there was a conversation with he and rick Tockett potentially about that communication or with somebody about that communication and lack thereof and how you know sometimes just need to be you know a little bit more delicate with some people but he said you know it's a quiet room sometimes you need a little bit of rah-rah to you know to spark some things yeah it feels like he needs to be that guy um so we'll see if that comes of it. That is a player that I'm kind of circling as, can his game improve in Vancouver under the new, uh, under the new head coach? Him and Connor Garland, who had a career-high 22 goals under Rick Tockett a couple of years ago in Arizona. Ooh. All right. Uh, well, we didn't even get to our stays and goes, so we'll do that on the other side. And we also got Mike McKenna going to join us, former NHLer. Uh, we'll get back into the goalie conversation with him. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.